0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and today I want to encourage you to make your march of faith. Let's go back to the time of Elisha, the great prophet of God, and Syria is uh, Israel's enemy at this time, and one reason is that Elisha knows their plans in advance by the Spirit of God, and the Syrian king thinks he has a spy in the camp. uh, But he's told about Elisha, that he's the one really that's giving away all the enemy plans. And so he sends an army to capture Elijah and Elisha. 2 Kings 6 verse 14 to 17 sets the scene for our story today. It says he sent horses, chariots and a great army there and they came by night and surrounded the city. And the servant of the man of God arose early and went out and and there's the army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? But Elisha was not in a panic, because he knew something that the servant didn't know. The servant said, so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So you've got to realize you're not on your own. In fact, God, you and God make a majority for a start, but also there is the army of the Lord is with you. You can't see them with your physical eyes, but they're there. And Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he might see. Elisha had already seen them probably previously. Now he prays that his servant would see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, around the man of God. And the God's army is there. And uh, as the story goes on, Elisha asked God to blind the Syrian army and they led them into the hands of Israel, disarmed them, gave them supper, and then sent them home. But faith sees the army of the Lord with us and that removes our fear. And he's with you too if you're a believer. So don't be, don't be afraid. He is ready to fight for you. The army is there to fight. God's army is there to fight for you. And in the story coming up, we're gonna see what the key is that releases that army into action. Well we're into 2 Kings 6.24 now and there is a siege and a siege that brings famine. It happened after this that Ben-Hadad the king of Syria gathered up his army went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for eighty shekels of silver and one-fourth of a dollop of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. So much famine that even dung or a donkey's head was worth a lot of money. Why did this famine come? Well, because of not only that they they have famine but they're under siege. But the cause of this was their sin because God had warned Israel if they continue in sin they would come under the oppression of their enemies and they would enter into famine. You know, when we go away from God, we go into a spiritual famine and the word of God means nothing to us and we will suffer a lot, but it's not God's fault. It's because we've turned away from God. Well, the king at this time that was the son of Ahab, his name was Jehoram. He wasn't as bad as Ahab, but he was also not a good king. And so he had brought this upon the nation to some degree. But so bad was this famine that even the king was shocked by the depravity that this famine produced. Let's read this story, it's a little bit gross, but in verse 26 it says, The king of Israel was passing by on a wall, and a woman cried out to him, saying, Help my God, O king. And he said, Well, if the Lord doesn't help you, where can I find help for you? And here's a sign that he was actually turning to God in this famine. And he says, where can I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? He says, look at our supplies. We don't have anything. Then the king said to her, what's troubling you? And she answered, well, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. Fair deal. So we boiled my son and ate him. But, you know, that isn't what upset her, the fact that they ate her son it's what happened next that upset her it says and I said to her on the next day it's your turn now give your son that we may eat him but she has hidden her son this was too much even for this bad king and it happened in verse 30 that the king heard the words of the woman and he tore his clothes in in upset and as he passed by on the wall the people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body now sackcloth was uncomfortable it was used as a sign if you wore sackcloth and ashes it's a sign that you were repenting before God and this is what the king was doing expressing his sorrow for sin and Elisha you see the God's law enforcer had said that God would deliver Israel if they repented And the king was repenting to some extent and uh, and we'll see that God was responding to that now (coughs) verse 31 the king gets angry this This incident had so upset him, he got angry and he said, God do so to me. And more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. In other words, I'm going to kill Elisha. He promised we'd be set free, nothing's happened. And in a fit of rage, he decides to send an assassin to kill Elisha. Verse 32, but Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him and the king sent a man ahead of him to kill him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, do you now see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? God had supernaturally revealed to him there was an assassin coming. Of course, Ahab was the father of this king. He was a murderer. Now, look, he says, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? What he's saying is, don't let him in. Just keep him at bay for a bit, because the king suddenly, once his fit of anger had passed away, he realized that would be a major mistake to kill God's man, Elisha. So he was quickly running after the assassin to stop him. Verse 33, and while they were still talking with him, the messenger came down to him, and then the king shortly after arrived as well and said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? So he's admitting it's a judgment from God, but he's saying, why should I wait any longer? I, I'm repenting, you know, to some extent. Why doesn't the Lord do something is what he says. He's, he's, to some extent, he's humbling himself. And then in 2 Kings chapter 7, Elisha gives a stunning prophecy of deliverance. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. He says, by this time tomorrow, food will be abundant, and it will be cheap. There'll be a plentiful supply. That's an amazing statement. You see, God even responded to the king, even with his partial repentance. And he declared the promise, the word of God, of freedom, of restoration, of provision. You know, when you start turning back to God, he'll... He'll move towards you as well. And God had broken the power of the enemy. The famine was over. That was the the word of the Lord. God had set them free. And God, this is how God works, you see. God, first of all, gives his word. He gives his promise. And he wants us then to believe that promise and take action upon that promise. But now Elijah has declared the freedom. That was an amazing prophecy because there was no food around. Even if the enemy somehow disappeared, They still had no food, food was rare. It was a famine. How could this word possibly come to pass? For the unbeliever present, it was all too much. Verse two says, the officer on whose hand the king leaned, in other words his right hand man, answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, how can this be? Elisha is just hallucinating. In other words, you know, it will take months for things to get back to normal. Then Elisha said, in fact, you shall see it, he says, with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. In other words, you'll see other people getting blessed, but you will not enjoy it yourself. You know, that is the lot of people who refuse to believe God's word, preferring their own reasoning. You know, they will see others blessed, but they won't be blessed themselves. How did this deliverance happen? Well, let's read on. God gives his salvation by speaking his word but that is another ingredient that is necessary and that's why the story isn't finished yet. Elijah's prophecy of course, Elijah was the most famous man in town and when Elijah gave this prophecy this word went round town everyone heard the word of the Lord and many scoffed I'm sure others had their hopes raised but didn't take any action they were too afraid to do anything so they were just passively waiting to see what God would do, but they're not mentioned. The story instead focuses on a most unlikely group of people. Why does it focus on them? Because they are the only ones who actually heard it and took action upon the word. And God uses these people to bring deliverance. Their story is told, not because it's just an interesting story, because what they did was the key to the victory and it reveals how God, gives, how God works. He gives his word, but he needs someone to believe it and to act on it as if it's true, to manifest the, word, the, the answer. And our heroes in the story are four lepers who sit at the gate. God can use anyone, even the most unlikely people. He can even use you. Verse three, now there are four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here? until we die. That's interesting. You see they were sitting there as outcasts in passivity just waiting for people to give them food but now of course nobody had any food to give them. They w- were they just to sit there until they die? And now they hear the word of, a, of, a, of the Lord and now they have hope in their hearts and something rises in their heart. They now have the courage to take action and they did something most important. That released the power of God. We're going to see what they did. They decided that doing nothing was not an option. And so they arose by faith. And we're going to see what they did. They, they marched, a march of faith, towards the enemy camp. <laughs> this was the army of God, these four lepers. And they walked out of captivity into freedom. Now, we're going to see that when they did their march of faith, God's angelic army marched with them. God marched with them but, and it, because they acted on the word. The victory was, re, was manifested. You know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. He says if you are a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in his doing. You see, lazy passive Christians can't be blessed. If we believe the word is true, we must act like it's true. You see, if your faith does not move you into action, how can you expect it to move your circumstances? Until you receive the word and act on it and march your march of faith, God's mighty army and God's mighty power is not released. Well, we've already seen the army of the Lord that surrounds believers. Now we're going to see the key that releases it into action. All right, Elisha has given the stunning prophecy, the word of God. But that was given so that somebody would believe it and cause them to take corresponding action. Let's see what this group of people do. It says that, first of all, they believe the word. They believe the word. Faith begins in the heart. It stirs the heart out of passivity. They say to one another, why sit here till we die? Let's do something. The first thing the Word of God does is give us that inner strength that causes us to rise up ready to take action. They were sitting in passivity, but now they start asking the right question. Why do we just sit here in our doubts till we die? Why do we just sit here in our depression till we die? Why just sit here in our fear till we die, in our worry, under our circumstances, under enemy domination, defeated by the setbacks of life? Why? Do we just sit here? No, let's rise up, let's take action. The word of God had stirred them up. Hope is in their heart. You know, be an actor, not a reactor. Are we paralyzed? Are we sitting down under our problems, paralyzed by the past, fearful of the future, giving up, accepting defeat as normal? Do we sit and sink or do we get back Get off the substitutes bench and get back into the game. You know, they could have just laid down and died. But now the word of God had given them hope. And though they didn't really know how this the whole thing would work out, they said, well, let's, let's just do, let's do something. Let's act on the word. And when you start to take action, get, I can tell you what will happen. All kinds of thoughts will come to your mind telling you, oh, it's pointless, it's pointless trying. And they helped to overcome their doubts by considering the alternatives. They said, verse four, if we say we'll enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Therefore, let us fall upon the army of the Syrians. Let's march on the Syrians. Hey, and you know, if they keep us alive, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll only die. In other words, what have we got to lose? And they considered the alternatives and they said let's rise up of apathy what's the point of living my life under this this bondage I've got nothing to lose let me act on the word and trust God and, let, and let's see what God will do they didn't know what was going to happen but they took action well that's what we should do if we feel defeated we first of all need the word of God in our heart to build our faith where we can take action. Realize, God says, I have set you free. I have delivered you from the dominion of darkness. I've delivered you from that prison. God has written a letter to you in your prison and says, he says, I have set you free. Now, believe my word and walk free. And when you start doing that, his power will be released. Say to yourself, I will walk out of this worry. I'm marching out of my old ways into a new life of Christ what have I got to lose why I'm not gonna waste my life by sitting down until I die Jesus has set me free so I'm gonna march my march of faith into my promised land even if it seems impossible and the next step the lepers did they believed the word and then it says they arose that's the next step verse 5 2 Kings 7 5 then it says and they rose up they rose up at twilight To go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they, they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Notice they arose at twilight when things were turning gray. Wasn't the best time naturally to do this. Shouldn't they wait for the morning? No, when faith stirs in your heart... Wait no longer because now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Arise and call on the name of the Lord and declare, I will walk out of this in the name of Jesus. And then the third step was that they, is to go. We are blessed in doing. We walk by faith, not by sight. They started their march of faith. Just imagine, it wasn't easy. They were lepers. They had to help each other to their feet. Every step was an agony. Only the faith in their heart kept them going. They were hungry, but they marched on. They were weak, but they marched on. They were in pain, but they marched on. They were alone in the night with danger all around them, but they marched on. Why? Because there was faith in their heart. Look at the Israel's army, all four of them, limping along, marching on the Syrians. But they were powerful through God. They were hooked up to God through faith. They were God's invading army. And the enemy fled before them. Let's see why the enemy fled. Verse 6. For the Lord had caused. Why was there no one left in the enemy camp? The Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. The noise of a great army. In other words, the Syrians heard God's angelic army on the march. The same army that Elisha's servant saw in the last chapter now it's been released into action now it's marching on the Syrian camp making a great noise and the Syrians it says they said to one another look the king of Israel has hired other kings the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us and therefore they arose and they fled at twilight when they heard the army of the Lord coming they fled it says at twilight and they left the camp intact their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. They left all their foods, all their possessions, all their treasures, they were in such a panic, they left it all behind. Now, here's the key. When did the lepers make their march of faith upon the Syrians? At twilight. When did the Syrians flee? When upon hearing that army marching towards them? In the twilight at that very same time. This is not a coincidence. Exactly the moment that the lepers started their march of faith, God and his angelic army marched with them. Hallelujah. When you start your, when you act in faith, when you act when the word of God is true, as if the word of God is true, when you march your march of faith, you're not alone because God and his army is marching with you and the enemy's got no, no choice but to flee. They will weaken themselves. They might, might have thought, what can we do? But they marched that march of faith based on God's word. And when they marched, God's power was released and the victory was won. It was these lepers that brought victory for Israel. God couldn't have done it without them. God needs someone who will believe his word and act on his word and then his power is released. Praise God. Will you march your march of faith to freedom? Because you might think I'm waiting on God to fulfill his word. No, God's given his word. He's waiting on you now. Will you believe it? Will you act on it? Will you march your march of faith? Because when you do, he moves with you. His army moves with you and the enemy has to flee. Hallelujah. Well, only when they acted in faith did heaven march with them. These lepers were not incidental. They were vital to the outcome. They're the center of the story. It's Their actions release God's power. If they wouldn't have been acted, God's word couldn't have come to pass. You see, this story is not just an interesting story. These stories are given in the Bible to show us how God works in our lives too. You see, most of Israel were in passivity. They were just waiting for God to do something. But thank God for these four lepers. They did what they could. What can you do in your situation? God's promise promises you something. What can you do? You might feel like those lepers. You might feel so weak. But is there something you can do? Is there something you can say that will release God's power? You see, heaven's army was waiting on the earthly army to make a move. And then it moved with them. Praise God. All God needed was for these men to make their march of faith, for him to fulfill his promise of victory. They were weak, but God supplied the power, but God needed their obedience. You see, God works through your faith and obedience. Well, our life is compared to a march. God has got a march of faith for you to make. You've got to walk by faith, and it may not be easy, but when you start walking by faith, God's power is released. God will march with you, They just had one word from God and they marched on that one word of God. But you have the whole word of God to march on. If they can do it, so can you. Praise God. And those who marched in faith were the first to receive and enjoy the blessings. They had the first pick. Verse 8. When these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, ate and drank, carried from it silver, gold and clothing, went and hid it. Then they came back and entered another tent and so on and so on and hid it. They had the first choice of all the blessings but then they realized, they said to each other we're not doing right, we can't take it all for ourselves, we've got to tell the others so they can enjoy all the blessings and uh, you know in the same way when you're blessed by God you need to testify. You need to say hey it worked for me, it will work for you too and bring the others into the same blessing but you can be the pioneer you see. Well it says that they told the king in the city. And now others, they had to march their march of faith because they were worried. That, it says the king was worried. You know, the king should have believed Elisha's word that there was going to be a great victory tomorrow. But even when the, the report came back from these lepers, the king was worried. He was saying, oh, I think the Syrians are just in hiding. As soon as we come out to, into their camp, they're going to come and attack us. So the king didn't really believe Elisha's word, you see. But what choice did they have? And so they had the same perplexity. Shall we just wait and die, or shall we take action? And they were faced in the same dilemma. And they, in the end, they just said, well, what have we got to lose? Let's, if we're gonna die, we'll die. Yeah, what have you got to lose by acting on God's word? You know, it's better than just lying down doing nothing. Act on God's word and you'll find that God is faithful. Verse 13 it says that one of his servants came up with a plan. Let's send an exploratory party to see if this is really true. So they sent off five of the horses and verse 16 it says that the people went and plundered the tents of the Syrians and the word of God came true. There was a plentiful supply The believers made their march of faith and entered into the blessing. But what about the unbeliever, the scoffer? Well, it says in verse 17 that this scoffer was appointed in charge of the gate. And because the stampede of people rushing out to claim their blessings was so great, he got trampled down. And so the word of God came to pass. He saw the miracle, but he didn't enjoy it. Don't be like that, scoffer who would not believe the Word of God because it doesn't fit with his natural reasoning you'll see the blessing but you won't enjoy it you've got there are other marches of faith in the Bible Abraham marched out of Ur into the promised land Israel's exodus into the promised land Joshua's march into the promised land David going up against Goliath Joshua marching around Jubilee there are many marches and God calls you to march your march of faith And when you do God's power Goes with you. That's what happened in every time in the Bible. As soon as you march your march of faith. God will march with you. Act on God's word as if it were true. Because it is true. It starts by accepting Jesus as your Lord. And then step by step you march from glory to glory. Don't be passive. Rise up. March your march of faith. Trust that God will go with you. God says I have set you free. Go forth in my name. And march your march of faith.